0: Thank you so much. I really love, I enjoy the worship uh, here at Calvary. We are very, very blessed. I want to introduce one more, uh, someone to you, a blessing from God. Uh, By the way, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. But I want to introduce uh, Maddie McDaniels to you, if I could get you just to come forward here. I'm going to get you up here and embarrass you a little bit, but uh, just joking. But Maddie is uh, attends here. She is 19 years old, you come back. And she is going on a five month month mission trip, a medical mission trip, five months, 19 years old, in Fiji. Not on the resorts, out of the country, in the jungles, in different places. So we want to be praying for her. Sunday school classes have helped. Uh, how much have you had to raise overall? Um, about $7,000. About $7,000. 19-year-old raising that so she can go serve Jesus. Isn't that awesome? That's incredible. I'm encouraged. I came and we talked this week. I'm encouraged by the young people that I see uh, who love Christ in America they're really bold. They want to do something. They don't want to just go to church. They just don't want to be religious. They really want to do something with their life and make a personal impact. So Maddie, we want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. We want to pray for mom who's kind of sitting out there, mom wave. And uh, mom's crying. (laughs) It's going to be all right, mom. We're going to pray for her. You'll be able to be in contact with her. I told her then when we met the other day three or four times, I was like, you just got to call mom now. You just got to call mom. Remember that, right? you got to do what? Okay, that's right. (laughs) So, uh, well, you know, we we love our kids, don't we? And this church needs to be praying for our young folks as they go out. Be praying for our students as they go to our 180 weekend, where students are gathering from all over this county and learning more about Christ and fellowshipping together and growing spiritually so that they can become what God wants them to be and have purpose and meaning in this life, not just... Waste away your existence. Amen. So, Maddie, we're proud of you. We thank the Lord for you. Let's pray for her. I just told her she'd come today. She's here all the time anyway, but I said, You'll come today. We want to pray for you and just kind of commission her and ask the Lord to take care of her. So, Father, we just pray for Maddie. We thank you for her commitment. It makes some of ours, and probably most of ours, pale in uh, comparison. Lord, we pray for her. We ask that you would use her. Mightily, that you would help her to have keen spiritual insight to witness to the people, Lord, that you have already prepared there in Fiji for her. Give her the words to say. Give her the energy physically, spiritually, emotionally, Lord, and we ask you to bless her. We send her out as one from Calvary, Lord, and just expect great things And great stories of your grace and of your mercy when she comes back. We pray for mom and dad and ask you to bless them and uh, her brother and and, uh, all the family, Lord. Just be with them and guard their hearts too. None of us are more proud as parents that when we see our children serving you. What higher call could there be? There really is none. So we pray for Maddie and ask you to bless her. Use her and bring her back to us with great stories of the victory she has in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Five months for a mission trip. Five months for a person. That's all. When we come back. We want you to get back up here on a Sunday night or maybe a Sunday morning or maybe even a Sunday, a Wednesday evening and tell us some of the, some of the important things. Amen. <laughs> she will. She said, yeah, I definitely will. Absolutely, that's awesome, isn't it? Kind of pales by, significant, by comparison here, but uh, pray for Tony and myself too. Uh, we're going tomorrow and Tuesday, uh, we're going to go to Ridgecrest for about a day and a half and try to plan our sermons. I know my wife's looking at Yes, honey, we are. We're going tomorrow and Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> laughing at you, <laughs> <Gee whiz. laughs> We're going to trap. Now, this would be a minor miracle, second only to the Red Sea, if Tony Harper and Jack Holmes could get our sermons, our titles, our messages, and our main truths of each one, the title, the text, and the message, the main truth of all of our messages mapped out for one year, is... Uh, his youth sermons and messages, and topics, uh mine for you. So, if you know either of us, as I said, you know that'll be a major miracle. As I sit here talking about planning out a year and telling my wife that I'm doing so in the same breath. So, anyway,
1: <laughs>
0: you know that that will be a miracle. Hey, I want you to join us next Sunday night. We're going to have a Super Bowl party. Did you get that, honey? Next Sunday night, a Super Bowl party. Uh, yeah, we, I've heard about the ones you guys used to have, like with the chili cook-off, and so we're going to do that again, and we're not just looking to be hot now, not just looking to be hot, and I'm not judging it, because that's a losing proposition any way you go, but we'll have some judges, but I've heard great things about the cooks in this church, I've tasted a lot of good things about the cooks in this church, we're going to have a chili cook-off, we're going to just have a good party, good hangout time, and, uh, I guess, you know, all of you know that my Steelers didn't make it, so I, I guess I'll just have to fold up my towel until yeah. next year. <coughs> right. Right <now>. away. <laughs> but we're going to watch the Falcons, can you believe that, the Atlanta Falcons, versus the Patriots. Well, I don't know, you know, did you hear about the son that was talking with his dad, he said, Dad, how could you win a Super Bowl without cheating? And he said, I don't know, son. We're Patriot fans. You <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he, he did hear, though, that Tom Brady was worried about like not being there. He's married to that model. What's her name? Giselle, something like that. He's a good-looking guy, and she's a good-looking gal. He was worried about not being there for the birth, birth of his first child. But uh, Coach Belichick told him, he said, don't worry about it, Tom. We'll tape it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll
1: catch that one.
0: Anyway, you can tell, I'm a sore loser. <laughs> ah. uh, join us next, next, uh, next weekend, next Sunday. It's going to be a good time. Just hanging out. Wear your jersey from your favorite team, not the one necessarily that you're pulling for. Just wear your team color and come have a good time, hang out, get to know. It's a great way to get to know your church friends and, and church family. In keeping with the sports theme for just a moment, we're starting a new series today, but keeping with that. Uh, we, uh, I discovered this recently, and it's changed. It changed this year. There's a new team. The Oakland Raiders set an all-time record in the NFL. Nobody wants to break it. You know what it was? In one game, one single game, they were called for 23 penalties. It cost them a whopping 200 plus yards, the all-time record of being called for penalties in a game. The coach said it looked like there were referees everywhere. (laughs) And I thought about this series. I was beginning to think about it and thinking about our homes and how... How we can help one another and how we can grow to be who God wants us to be and stay out of conflict. And I was wondering this, what if there were referees in our homes? <laughs> There'd be a
1: lot of whistles. <laughs> lot of whistles. <laughs> there would be.
0: What if there were a lot of referees like at our jobs? It'd be a lot of whistles. Uh, they watched our comments and the way we treated one another, our conduct as Christians, one to another. Now they'd be calling penalties wouldn't they? personal foul <laughs> unnecessary roughness out of bounds you know um how many of us honestly if that were the case if somebody was really there just kind of not not talking to us but saying that was out of line yep that was out of line how many of us would be setting records that we wouldn't be proud of we are starting a new series today i'm calling it fixer upper i love that series fixer upper on uh Cable. I just like to watch it. There's great chemistry between the hosts and we're going to talk about this, how to rebuild some relationships in your life. Here's why that's important because life and a lot of whether we're happy or sad really depends upon the relationships in our lives. If our relationships are good and they're healthy, then most of life is fairly joyful. But it's when our our relationships get tension or when our relationships get terrible that life gets uh, robbed of the joy. And so I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying, though, not only for couples, though I am. I'm going to be praying for families. I'm going to be praying for relationships with dads, with sons and daughters and moms and, and uh, just friends. Because there's going to be something during this series for every single person here. Because life consists of relationships. And that's what we're going to work on during the next four to five weeks. Our relationship skills. And what we're going to do is we're going to use God's word as our guide. Because God's word is, is sure, it's certain. It, it'll, I'm going to put from the Word of God into your hands tools that will enable you to improve your relationships and therefore improve your life. And I'm going to help you to become the person that God wants you to become. Um, you know what this is, don't you? Anybody know what that is? It's a square kind of square but it's a it's a square what you can do with this square is you can put it on any angle and you can tell if that angle square you see how that, that that angle is not square and and so I'll never forget one time watching a, a guy build a house and he was a framing carpenter and he was up on the ladder and He was nailing a corner and the foreman walked by our supervisor he said where's your square He looked down, like you and I say, about life and relationships and everything else. He said, I don't need a square. I can eyeball it. (laughs) I walked through a home the other day. Somebody should have used a square. If you walked in there with a square, you'd see that the house isn't so square. We all need a square. We need something that will keep us uh, straight. Something that checks us. Something that's a standard. Anybody know the carpenter's rule? We call it the carpenter's rule in home building. You measure twice. Do what? Yeah. Cut once. That's right. You measure it twice and you cut it once. I learned that. I learned something else by not using that rule a while back was building some stuff. And uh, I learned that wood is very expensive. <laughs> wood really costs a lot, especially if you're using good wood. You know, high dollar wood. It, it's expensive. And when you don't use a square, and you just start measuring once and cutting once, you start lining up with pieces that don't fit, and the whole thing becomes kind of a joke when you look at it. Um, I didn't know this, but as I'm thinking about the need for a standard, I was watching a show on how to build, and it was like this old home, or whatever it is, you know, and and the guy said this. He said, "He said never trust a new board from the factory to be square. If you're in precision stuff." I thought, well, shoot! I thought, you know, a new board from a factory would be square. But I put my square many times on a brand new board on the end of a brand new board. Man, they're running those things through chop, 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 just cutting them out. And most times, if you put a square. On something that's brand new from the factory, you would assume that it's good. Guess what? It's not square. So, our square, you know, is Bible. It's the Word of God. And using the Bible as our square, we're going to discover some practical, effective ways to help act square, to help resolve conflicts in our relationships. I want you to turn in your Bible that which never changes, the word of our Creator, to Ephesians chapter 4. I love it. It's one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. If you were to turn to the book of, one of my favorite books in the Bible, if you were to turn to the book of Ephesians in my Bible, you'd see it all marked up. Paul is specifically addressing the church, but again, the church is what? People. And people exist in relationships. So he says this, I therefore, as The prisoner of the Lord. Now Paul couches everything that he's going to say in that comment. It's all about the gospel. If you were to look at the preceding verses. Verse 20, verse 21 he's talking about. To Christ be the glory. To Him be the glory. And then he says now as a prisoner of the Lord. So because the gospel is so important. Because we have such an important life changing message. That the world so desperately needs. I beseech you, it's like I implore you, I beg with you, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. How are we to do that? Here it is. And look at leaders. Look at people and see if you see these qualities. If you don't, they're not godly. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter honestly what you say. It matters what the square says, right? You want to measure a leader, you want to measure a man, you want to measure a woman. What worthy, he says, of the calling with which you were called. Then he tells you how to do it. With all lowliness and gentleness. You ought, to, you ought to do a study sometimes on Paul's writings. Look how many times he says being gentle is a godly thing. We don't think of it like that, do we? We really don't. With all lowliness and gentleness, with Long-suffering. You know what that is? I love the use of that word, the construction of it, long-suffering. But it's patience. And I'll tell you, if you're patient with people, you're going to be suffering a long time, right? You're You're going to be allowing them a long time to come around. Bearing with one another in love. All the while, what you're doing is you're endeavoring, you're striving, you're desiring to keep the unity of the Holy Spirit. In the bond of peace. Now, now, those are men, some verses that you could just unpack for days. But if you think about that, let's read through it one more time. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, but I urge you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Wow. That's a lot. Now we're going to talk about relationships for a minute, I'm going to talk to you for a second about some attitudes in your relationship, marital, friends, whatever, that will absolutely feed conflict. For a minute, we're going to look at some that will fix conflict, but first, let's just talk, kind of lay some groundwork, some attitudes that feed conflict, because we've been sold a bunch of myths In our lives, and it's this. First of all, a lot of our parents taught us this. Well, they'll say, Time heals everything. You ever heard that before? Time heals everything. No, it doesn't. And in relationships, time doesn't heal everything. Now, time can help, and time can remove you from the sometimes from the intenseness of of the hurt once that relationship has kind of moved on. But if you're together with somebody, if you remain friends or remain husband and wife, Remain boyfriend or girlfriend. Let me tell you, time doesn't heal everything. When somebody is wronging you, when somebody is hurting you. In fact, what time will do, if that the offender doesn't stop the behavior, then time actually deepens my resentment against their behavior. I mean, you know, it's like you, you fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, what? Shame on me. And and it will deepen my my resentment and, 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 and actually the longer we let things persist in others and we just ignore it saying, you know what, well, time heals everything You know what it'll actually do? It'll actually ingrain or deepen their actions too. Let me give you an example. The person you're dating now, or the person you just got married to now. Everybody says, to them, Well yeah, they're kinda they're kinda hateful, but you know, when, when I get married to her, you know, that's gonna change. <laughs> <laughs> now, did I make a joke? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did actually, didn't I? And and so it'll actually deepen. You know, you, you, it'll actually deepen. I, I see. Ignoring a problem never fixes the problem. Never makes a problem go away. That's exactly why, if you were to look down at verse twenty-six. Paul's still dealing with relationships. You'll hear him say this. If you get angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place for the devil. Every time that you or I spend a day and we don't solve a problem, but really inside we're mad, really inside we are ticked. That person has done us wrong, but we just say, well, you know, I'm just going to ignore it or whatever. we go to bed, what you might as well do is just open up the front door of your living room and say, come right on in, Satan, here's a place for you. Does that mean you've got to resolve every little something that ticks y'all? I'm not talking about being the sin police or something like that. But I'm talking about serious (laughs) things, serious behavior in a relationship that you just haven't addressed because you thought, well, if I just give it time, time will heal everything. No, it won't. And Paul says that anger is such a dangerous emotion that we need to deal with it every day. We need to deal with it right. We need to be, deal with it when you're really angry. Don't sin. How do you sin? By letting the sun go down on your wrath. You don't get it settled. You don't, you know. It's like when you get into bed, you're mad at one another. Usually you're cuddling up and you're hugging her and give a good night kiss on the cheek or whatever. But not now. Because I'm over as far as I can get to my edge of the bed. She's over there as far as I can get hers. You know, and, and somebody starts playing footsies and you withdraw. You know, it's like, <laughs> footsies are mine. Be careful of that stuff. Time doesn't heal everything. The second, <laughs> thing, that, <laughs> the second thing that feeds conflict will just feed. Ignoring the problem, kind of similar to number one, but just ignoring a problem until it goes away. Again, it never works. In fact, ignoring your own problem, maybe I should say that, your own actions. Don't do that. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says it's so important that you and I address our own sinfulness, that we take a deep look in the mirror at ourselves. And by the way, that's the first place you ought to look. First place I ought to look. Look at me. Not my wife. Not my friend. Look at me. I look at myself. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, therefore, he said it's so important that you get sin settled in your heart when you're angry. He says if you bring your gift to an altar, and uh, there you remember that your brother has something against you, that is, you've sinned against someone, Jesus said, "Leave your gift there. So you don't even go. <coughs> just go your way." First, he says, "Be reconciled to your brother." And then, coming after your gift, he says, "Getting relationships right more important than worship." Because if you're angry and mad, and 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 you, you're just ignoring your own sinful actions, he'll keep you from worship anyway. Third thing that feeds conflict is this. It's an attitude where, really where I just kind of say, okay, I'm going to give you your just consequences. We wouldn't say it like that, but here's what we say. Somebody does something wrong to us, they do it again. And, And so finally, we stop trying to work on relationships. We stop trying to work on our actions. And we just say, okay, all right, two can play that game. You ever been there? Boy, have I ever been there. I'll treat you the same way you treat me. That's the way you want to act. I'll never forget coming home one day. I was tired. I'd worked all day. Somebody had been chewing on me, and somebody else chewed on me, and I was tired and exhausted, and I came home at the long end of a long day and walked in the back door, and I was expecting a three-course meal, you know, and, hey, honey, how you doing? And, you know, a hug and a kiss, and I didn't get any of that. You know I'm joking, right? (laughs) I mean, my wife cooks almost every day, but I wasn't expecting that. I'm kind of leaning on. But I, I tell you what I did. I came in, I did the same thing that every guy does. I just want to sit down for 15 minutes and just be quiet and hear nothing. And that's not a bad desire, ladies. That's just what men want to do. I mean, we've been out fighting dragons all day, lions and tigers. We don't want to meet one at the back door. So we'll come home about 10-15 minutes. About 10-15 minutes. place, don't we? That's a natural male desire. Come home. He's been out doing all this stuff. He wants ten fifteen minutes. You give him that much to just kind of detox, and then he'll be a little more apt for some conversation. But I was sitting in there. Kim walked in the room and said, "How you doing?" So I'm, I had a rough day. I'm all right. She said something, and I said something. Seemed a little short to me. I was already mad, and I just copped an attitude and said, Well, if that's the way you're going to treat me, I'd say it to her. said it up here. That's the way you're going to treat me. i give it back. i give it back. She said something else kind of smart. I said, you know, I preach for a living, so I know a lot of cut downs and a lot of. <laughs> earthiness I was sitting there and I just, boy, I mean, I can't even remember. This has been years and years ago. I can't even remember what I said, but I just, bam, just leveled. (coughs) Sat down in that chair again because I'd gotten up because I was mad I wanted to argue. I didn't feel like I'd been treated right. Come home working all day and then get kind of cold treatment at the door. Sitting there in her climber, my feet kicked up, reading paper. She walks in with a present. Mm. Tear in her eyes Said Happy (laughs)
1: anniversary Yep I forgot
0: I've done
1: that again (laughs) I've come
0: close Here's what, though, here's what amazes me about my wife, if I can brag on her for a minute in front of you. I treated her that way, but she never treated me that way. She never really said who could play that game. You're going to treat me like crap, I'll treat you like crap. She never did. Love forgave me. But I tell you, if you cop that attitude, well, two can play that game. That's right. You don't play hardball? I play hardball. You know what that does? That just feeds conflict. That just opens the door. So Satan, you just come in. Here's your nice easy chair. You pull yourself up here and let's talk about it. So you can't just say time heals everything. It doesn't. you got to work on that. You can't just say, hey, well, we just ignore the problems till they go away. They don't. And it inhibits your worship and every part of your spiritual growth. And you can't just say, all right, man, by golly, i will you do yours? It doesn't work. If it doesn't work. It just needs conflict. Now, let me get positive with you for a minute. Let me talk with you about some attitudes that that fix uh, conflict. And incidentally, may I just say this. If you want the relationships to get better in your life, you're going to have to work on them. It's not easy. It takes Discipline, it takes effort, it takes patience, it takes. I mean, it just. I've got a friend who's a great, wonderful counselor. We talk about it all the time, and we both talked about the fact that good marriages don't just happen because on a certain day in a certain place you walk in the room and across the room I saw her eyes and her eyes met mine and we were perfect and we never argued. Doesn't really happen that way. Good relationships are forged. Good relationships are made. They are developed. And it takes discipline and hard work, but you can learn it. You can learn it. Now, when I find myself in a conflict, it doesn't matter, husband or wife, friend, whatever it is, first thing you and I always ought to do as Christians, number one, we must humble ourselves. If just for a couple of seconds, I've talked about this with the men on our beach retreat. Win every two to three second confrontation. Every two to three second battle. In any argument or in any relationship when conflict is coming, there's usually a two to five second window where if I respond right, it goes one whole direction. If I respond wrong, it can go the whole other direction, right? And so so as a mature man, what I want to do is I want to I win every one of those battles. You lose them when you just react. You lose them when you say, eh, I'm going to ignore you. Go away. You lose them when you say, I'm going to give you what you give me. No, first thing when you see it and feel it coming, and I don't get this right most times, but I promise you I work on it. You have to humble yourself and you have to confess your sin to the Lord and you say, God, I needed your grace. To be saved because I'm a sinner and I could be reading this wrong and God, I need your help so I don't respond like a sinner. Don't say it out loud. You just say it quietly, but it takes a you have to humble yourself because everything in you will want to get back. Everything in you wants to lash out. I know what you're thinking. What do you what do you mean? My sin. They're the one that's driving me crazy. Yeah, I know. I understand. You're not responsible for their actions. You're just responsible for your reaction. We all are sinners in need of grace. 1 John 1 verses 9 and 10 says this. If we confess our sins. Now this is conditional. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But listen, listen. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. So if I can just win that two to three second confrontation, that battle, and just not respond in the flesh, but just humble myself and say, can God just help me not respond because I'm a sinner. Everything in me wants to respond. God God, give me grace, Lord. I am a sinner. Help me. It will make all the difference in the world. It will make all the difference in the world. And so that will just help fix a conflict. Many times, that just takes it down the right path. Now, what about it when we still get angry? What do we do? second thing we have to do, many times I've learned this through years of marital counseling and years of counseling, when I've got something that I've got to address because it's it's bad behavior, it's destructive behavior, it's dishonoring behavior, whatever it is. When I'm angry, when I get angry, I have to go away and look. I decide consciously to speak only when I can control my emotions. Some of us need to learn this. Some of us pride ourselves on, well, I'm just the kind of person. I speak my mind. Yeah, that's sinful. And that's something that you need to overcome by the power of the Spirit. It's something I need to overcome by the power of the Spirit. That's not godly. We're told to put away anger. Do you realize the crimes that have been committed out of pure anger? Do you realize the the sins that have been committed out of pure anger? The families that have been wrecked, the relationships that have been wrecked over pure anger, just because somebody got mad. And didn't stop and humble themselves, confess their sins and go away and say, you know what? I'm going to address that, but I'm going to address it when I can actually control my anger. In other words, here's how I do it. i pray many times if I've got to confront something in business or in work or whatever. As a leader of a church, I have to confront things all the time. But I never have the right, really, to confront it in anger. So I have to go away and I say... Lord, I will not speak to that person until I'm absolutely sure that if they looked at me and cursed me and called me names, I would not lose my anger. I wouldn't lose my temper. It's hard, ain't it? It's hard. It's hard. But you know what the Bible says about this? In Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous man studies how to answer. doesn't just fly off the handle. A godly man doesn't just lose it and curse everybody out. A godly person doesn't just yell and scream at people. That's not godliness. And James says, if you think you are religious and yet you cannot or do not bridle your tongue, your religion is in vain, you've deceived yourself.
1: That's strong man.
0: That's strong the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked person pours forth evil. Now I want to say this. This applies to personal conversations and social media. A lot of us would be a lot better off if we never knew Facebook was invented. Hey. So, so many people have been killed on Facebook other things. You get mad, and you go in there and sit down at the computer, I want to do it too. Some people are such jerks. They do blah, 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 and you're typing it out there, and you put it out there for the world to see. I, I tell you what's it's sad, but it's hilarious sometimes, is to see people who don't know so much about social media, or don't care, and that's sad, that they are carrying on a public argument, a pri- what should be a private argument, Publicly. You ever seen people do that on Facebook? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: When you see it, honestly, what do you say? Probably two things. Number one, I wonder if they know that this is public. Number two, wow. You never look at that and say, wow, those are godly people. You just say, what immaturity, don't you? We really have to watch that as Christians, how much we put on social media. When I'm angry, a godly person says, I will speak only when I can control my anger. If you don't control anger, anger will control you. You got it? Alright? I have to follow God's rules for communication. I have to follow God's rules of communication. What does that mean? It's hard. Uh, I mean, it, it's just hard. But let me tell you what it really means. It means when you're mate. I call it losing energy. They say they're getting frustrated. Their arguments starting. Um, first of all, and especially guys, but but ladies too. Guys who have to really listen. When somebody's mad. They're losing energy, and 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 you know they're they're frustrated and they're complaining. I can be guilty all the time because of my personality style and busyness of what we call shallow listening. So, like, I can be looking right at you and you're talking to me, but I'll be thinking about looking at the person that's actually standing behind you. And you get to the end of what you're saying, huh? You know what? What did they tell me? You ever have that happen? <coughs> so, how do I really listen? Well, you have to really care. And I have to work at this. Like, I have to physically, mentally stop myself. So, number one, guys, write it down. Sometimes it's worse for guys than it is for ladies. Not always. Number one, you have to stop what you're doing. If you want to really listen, stop what you're doing. Just stop it. We all know men can't multitask. I'm not sure there's such a thing as multitasking anyway. I think when you split your attention, you're not giving anything your full attention. So, I'm not even sure that multitasking is something that's that's real. That's that's good at all. But guys, especially, we got we have to physically stop what we're. And by the way, ladies, if you're talking to him and he's sitting there typing on the computer, and you're over here saying, "Hey, did you hear so and so and so and so?" and he never looks away from that computer, he never stops. No, he did not hear what you just told him. I will guarantee you, he didn't hear what you just told him. And you ever notice, guys, how frustrating this is for us? We're working on something, we're mechanic on something, somebody. You know, how about so and so and so and so? we. Finally, I mean, we'll do it out of frustration. We'll just go, you know, we're sitting there working. Let's go. What now? Right? You ever seen that before? What now? What were you saying? That's just a guy thing. That's just not him being a butt. That's just, he's just,
1: that's a guy thing.
0: We can only focus on one thing at a time. The comedians are not joking when they say, where's your sign, right? Like, like, you have to draw a sign. You have to get eye contact. So if I really care about you, then I want to really listen to what you're saying. So I have to stop what I'm doing. I have to force myself. I put it down. And then I have to focus in. Men, we particularly have to switch tasks. So I stop. And I focus in. And, I have, and what that means for me is looking someone in the eye. I have to make eye contact. See, love looks. Love doesn't, when somebody comes up, you know, we're working on it. Somebody's talking, pouring out their heart. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. I bet that was does. But love looks. When we stop and we put it down and we turn around and we look and we make eye contact and we say Three best words you can ever say, yeah. Tell me more. Hardest, hardest three words you'll ever say. About like the third time you say it too, but look, it's important. I wish I had a lot longer. I'm gonna be doing a marriage weekend with Lord Sunday school class the but soon we'll talk more about this. But you have to look at the person speaking to you, even a waitress, even someone else. Just stop watching you. Don't be disrespectful, just stop and look at them, make eye-to-eye contact. It's all the difference in the world. Sometimes, here's something that I teach couples. You have to rephrase what you just heard your mate or your friend or whomever say. Sometimes, well, I wish, I sure wish, and I don't mean this here. I've been leaving for 25 years, but I sure wish some of my employees and staff would have asked through the years, would have done this. You have to rephrase what they just told you. Like your husband, your wife, part so they tell you something. You stop and You look at them. They tell you something. You ever done this? And, and they look back at you and say, are you saying da, 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 And, they, and you say, what? No. That's not even remotely what I'm saying. Amazing, isn't it? So we have to rephrase it. That's when I really focus in. And I'll say, now, so, listen, I love you. I, I care about you. I'm really listening this time. I, I'm asking you. Will you put it in different words and tell
1: me again. You say, that's word. That's
0: mechanical. Yeah, but it ain't half as bad as fighting all the time. It isn't half as bad as disagreeing with employees and wives and friends and stuff all the time. And so I really listen. Secondly, sometimes, to really God's rules of communication is this. I, I'm just going to move quickly and close. But I have to speak the truth. But I have to do it in love. I have to speak the truth, but I have to do it in love. I've got to share this with you. Just bear with me, okay? I teach couples sometimes with people, and I told a guy uh, up uh, who's on a large church staff recently this about using emotional word pictures. It's the way you capture somebody's heart and mind, and, and you can tell them your heart so that they actually hear it. And so, uh, John uh, Trent is telling this. He says, uh, several years ago, I was on a national TV show with Norm Evans, a formal professional football player who wears two Super Bowl rings from his years with the Miami Dolphins. During that interview, Norm gave a word picture his wife had used with him and totally turned around, their sexual relationship. While Norm and Bobby get along great overall, for a time he struggled struggled with her lack of physical, I would say, responsiveness. He came home from practice one day, gave her the following word picture. So he's trying an emotional word picture to connect. And Bobby he said, do you know how I feel about our physical relationship? Well, I've got an idea, she said, but why don't you tell me? Well, I feel like as if every night we're playing like the shell game. You remember that? It's the one with the three shells. They all look the same upside down on the dresser. Underneath one of the shells is, is a bean. Now, if that bean represents your being physically responsive, I feel that when I leave the house in the morning, I think I know which shell the bean's under. But then I'm gone all day. You switch around the shells on the counter. And then when I ask come home and ask you to become physically involved, you say, pick a shell. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I pick the right one. (laughs) Now, what I want to know is, he said, when are you going to put three beans under three shells or quit switching them around? Now, Norm knew how powerful word pictures can be, and he was convinced that if she didn't immediately throw herself at him, at least you'd be convicted enough that things would change dramatically, but he forgot that two can play at word pictures. Now, now, what you're hearing is people who have worked that conversation. Someone who has studied their words. They just lash out. But here's what she said. Norm, Bobby me ask, would you like to know why we're playing the shell game? Sure, he said, tell me. Well, for 10 that I'm your favorite uh, favorite fishing rod and reel. Instantly she had his attention because he loves to fish. When we were first married, in terms of my physical responsiveness to you, did I cast well? Well, sure, he said, not knowing where she was going. That's right. But over all these years, if I'm your favorite rod and reel, it's like you fish with me in salt water time and again, and you've never once washed me off the hose. And now, because you've never taken care of me, the line is all frayed, it's backlash, the eyes on the pole are bent, the tip is cracked, and the rust has made it crank really hard to turn. So now, when you try to cast me, all you get is backlash and problems, right? Right, he said, beginning to see the picture. Norm, you spent a little time oiling or cleaning or putting on new line. I feel like you just toss me in the garage and leave me in the dark. Then you wonder why I'm hard to cast. That's Bible playing a show game. And Norm got the picture. He was also wise enough to do what I've been encouraging you to do. He asked Bobby correctly, Honey, are you saying... Now, do you hear what he's doing? He's rephrasing. Are you saying that if I learned how to maintain the rod and reel and kept it in really good working shape, that you'd put three beans under those shells. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, said Bobby. All right, said Noah, and he sat up, ready to take notes. Tell me what it means, really means to you to have me put oil on the reel. Okay, she said. Oiling the reel for me would mean that when you come in the door at night, you don't immediately head to the television set. Come and find me. Ask me how my day went, and then really listen to me. Maybe even a hug, or just sit and hold my hand while we talk. That's what putting oil on the reel would be like. I can do that, said Norm finally get the picture. And so they shared other things. Now, that's a conversation that you have to work at. You have to develop it. But the truth had to be spoken, but it was spoken in love because I cared. So just quickly, you want to do that. You want to really listen. You want to speak the truth, but do it in love. You want to seek God's glory at the end of the day on your life and and your friendships and your relationships at work. You want to see God's glory and the other person's good. I can guarantee every couple I've ever counseled with that was in deep distress, most of them came to the relationship, this one saying, I want to meet their need, and this one saying, I want to meet their need. But now they're all focused, saying, You're not meeting my needs. But you want to see God's glory and the other person's good. If I can get there, my real task in counseling many times is just to get them to focus on their mate's needs. Just being the best they can be to them. Seeking their good. Finally, you want to develop personal godliness and patience. You want to develop personal godliness. It takes work. Discipline study. Marriage is harder and relationships and friendships are harder than almost any proposition we ever enter into in our life. Yet we spend less time studying it than guys than we do building an engine or how to do some sport or whatever. This book has been a life changer for me through the years. I've held on to it. You know what I found? It's called The Hidden Value of a Man by John Trent and Gary Smalling. Every woman ought to read this book. Every guy ought to read it, but every woman ought to read this book. The Hidden Value of a Man. You know where I found it? Goodwill. bottom of a bin, a bunch of other books. Here's a, here's a note that was written inside of it. Father's Day, 1994, to Michael, my prayer for you is that you will grow to love God with all your heart. Continue to be conformed to the image of Christ. We love you. Cindy. It's important, it's important when our families and relationships are at stake. <laughs> you remember at the beginning, I talking about the Oakland Raiders that gained all those penalties. They lost over 200 yards in penalties. They also lost 89 yards of, of offensive play. Wiped out. One was a touchdown. Another was a 41-yard gain also missed two field goals, they lost a the fumble. But you know what? They still won the game. They still won the game, because they didn't quit. They made all those mistakes, and they still won the game for Crown House. I am. To me now. Listen to me. It's what you seek and desire and pursue with dedicate yourself to with all your heart. What you work for and discipline for and train yourself to become. At the end of the day at the end of the series will you be different? Will you be a winner? Will you be a loser in your relationships? It's a lot of mistakes. So, Father, I pray right now that you will convict us, Lord, of the need to pursue wisdom, to pursue truth, to pursue godliness, (coughs) to stop hoping that these problems will fade away, to stop ignoring the challenges in our relationships, our bad habits, our sins, to stop treating people the way they treat us, that we'd be open towards humbling and confessing our sins to you, humbling our ourselves. To speaking only when we can control our anger, that we would learn to study how to answer, to really listen, to speak the truth of love, to seek your glory, and our friends, our mates, our spouses, our boyfriends, and girlfriends, seeking yeah. their good, and to develop the growth personal godliness and patience. So even at this late point, with all these penalties, we can still win the game. Because there's a lot more than a score of a game riding on. Families and lives are. The gospel, in a sense, is because we've got to get it to the ends of the earth. And we cannot do it when our lives are filled with conflict. Help us through this series and grow us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we're going to sing a brief hymn of invitation. And uh, I'd ask you to do two things. I'd ask you to respond if you can this morning. Just ask the Lord to But I'd really ask every person here, young old, to respond by continuing committing to be at every message you can for the next four weeks. You can do that. You can do that, and it'll really help you. Just make a commitment. God, I want to grow. God, I want to grow. We are so bound uh, that you don't have to continue to repeat the mistakes of your parents, of your friends, of the past. God in heaven can break can break the chains that hold you. And I want you to stand. Let's sing together, and let's respond to the message. Let's respond to the message. I'll be here to meet you in the front. Brother Tony, Tony, if you just stand right there, and I'll stand right over here today.
1: you just come, if you need prayer, you need prayer.
0: series in the coming weeks. Stay under the word. Amen.
1: You're not, not when you
0: fail, not if you fail, but when you fail. When I blow up this week, i got to make the decision to get back up and just come right on back and hear the word of God. Because it strengthens me, it helps change me, it gives me power, it just molds and shapes me into what God wants me to be. That's your commitment today. Finish this series. Be here for it. And watch God move. I hope you have a great afternoon. Lord willing, I'll see you tonight. We will be here. And we're going to unpack a little bit of this tonight too, okay? Maybe take some question and answer stuff and just talk to it. But you're in the right place. And you're on the right track. It's not a short run. It's a long one. But it is a good one. And we win in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We do.
1: I hope you have a great, great day. And please, please come back please come back. God bless you. Have a great day.